HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Hearst Ranch, grass-fed beef raised on California's central coast. Now available online through Larder Meat Company. Learn more at hearstranch.com. This week on Meat and 3, we dive into the science behind munchies, the history of coca, the therapeutic powers of psychedelics, and mushroom-infused recipes. One of the biggest questions we get asked a lot is, does heat degrade psilocybin? The coca leaf was used as a sacred plant. So as a plant that could communicate human beings with gods or mother nature. What you can start to appreciate here is that cannabis is activating and hijacking the system throughout the body. Tune in to Meat and 3, HRN's weekly food news roundup, wherever you get your podcasts. Banquet, a show that you thought was about food and beverage history, but is really about romantic comedies stealing hours of your life with me, your host, Gallagher, the watermelon smashing comedian, and Nicole Bailey, aka <sighs> Carrot Top. <laughs> Imagine a Gallagher Carrot Top deathmatch. <laughs> He'd just be like, Does anybody want to smash some carrots? <laughs> <laughs> I don't that's not a death match. That's true. Well, I mean if he's smashing the carrot, the carrot top. Hmm. Like with a Unless, giant I got it. Okay. Exactly. Instead of coming out with a mallet, he comes out with a large peeler. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Should we start over? Or should we just go? <laughs> uh, should we forget go. this? Okay. Cool. <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. Leave that um, in. <laughs> see you later. Please don't cut that out. It's gold. It's comedy gold. I am coming in fast and loose today. Believe it or not, I've just rallied myself and I'm I'm roaring hot. I'm ripping hot and ready to go. Oh, okay. How are you? Great. Okay, cool. What's been going on with you? I just had like a three-hour conversation with you yesterday about vintage denim, so I don't have much to say, but what do you got? Um, I'm drinking an, an Enzoni. Hmm. What the hell is that? It's a drink. This is a riff on it, though, because I don't have Campari. I only had Aperol. But it's basically gin, Campari, lemon juice, and squished up grapes. Oh, squished up grapes? What kind? Yeah. Red or green? I think you can do either, but I had red in my home, so that's what I used. Did you squish them with your mitts? 
Or just squish them with a tool? I squish them with my hands because I don't have a muddler and I was strapped for time. So I just squeezed a bunch of grapes into the tin, shook it all up, strained them out. But some of the peels made it through. That's very cute. Very cute of you to think of you squishing grapes with your little fingies. It makes me it was just very miss cute. you. Um, yeah, so that's how I am. It's a cute little pink drink. Everyone should drink them, really. We had them at, we had this at the bar that I used to work at. And I, I'm pretty sure we had, like, a, this riff with an Aperol instead mm. of Campari. But I honestly can't remember. That sounds great. I'm drinking a colander of mine own blood. What's a colander? Is this what you strain stuff out of? <laughs> exactly. It's very messy in my house right now. <laughs> There's just blood absolutely everywhere. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty good. Thanks for asking. Um, <laughs> I've had some ups and downs this week. However, I did find out yesterday that I do not have cancer or at least the cancer that I thought I have, although I might have <laughs> another kind of cancer. Who knows? That's anybody's guess. But We're all just ticking time bombs. Exactly. But congratulations to me. That's true. Every cell is under attack. We don't know what's going to happen, but we do know that my doctor told me verbatim to literally ignore the thing that I thought was cancer. So I am giving it the cold shoulder right now. <laughs> um, I love don't advice from doctors like that. Just ignore it. $600, please. I know. I was like, is this because I have like Medicaid? Is why you're telling me yeah. to ignore this just because yeah. like you don't want to, the insurance company doesn't want to do anything. It's just like, I actually have like terrible, like stage four cancer. But he's like, yeah, just ignore it. It's fine. You're not going to be able to afford this. So it's better if you just die without ever knowing what happened. He's like the world's ending anyway. But I had an, a very uncomfortable conversation with him. It was a new doctor. He was very nice. I really liked him. And clearly I was extremely relieved with my prognosis. Um, and then I was like complimenting his shoes and I, like any good anti-capitalist, tried to also buy Nikes last week on Cyber Monday <laughs> because I also love a deal. And Nike like blocked me out of the website, which I don't think is like an accident. So anyway, I was trying to tell him like this whole story, but it didn't come out right because I was wearing like two masks. And he basically thought that I didn't know how to possibly order shoes. He's like, well, you just go to the website. Usually that's what, what I do. And I was like, no, no, no. Like muffled, like, I know how to order fucking Nikes, dick. But yeah, he's like, well, I went way, to I medical school, so I use the website, but I don't know what you people do. He's like, you just need to scream into the void like you do every night. Um, well, but- I'm sorry that you couldn't buy Nikes made by the hands of children. Um, I- in I know. I know. I'm very disappointed as well. But look, here's the thing. My feet are really struggling because I wear my running shoes until basically there's holes in them. And like my toenails are all like horribly just suffering because my shoes are too old and I need new new running shoes. What am I supposed to do? Be one of those freak daddies who like walk runs around in those shoes that are shaped like feet? I think you can be like one of those freak daddies that researches a shoe company that is uh, sustainable and not evil. That's a good point. Are you saying that you have no Nike shoes? Yes. Really? But I okay, do guys. Have, like, but I'm not like some pure angel. I I have like Adidas, you know. Although they were purchased on eBay, so maybe I am pure. So that's kind of like wearing like vintage fur. Like it's okay if they're yeah. Like I didn't make used. this fur. Someone did, and they're dead now. So I should be able to wear it. 
Oh, look, I've always just found that, like, tiny, nimble hands make the best, <laughs> the best shoes, there's so, like some, so sue me. There's this, like, guy that made this Nike shoe completely out of human skin and hair, and I've never been able to forget it. It was, like, a way to, like, talk about how Nike was made. Interesting. Do you have Bye. a link? I'd love to buy a pair. I love shoes. You can't made buy them. It was an art piece. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh darn it. Okay, I have Water some talent though. Uh, I mean, naturally, literally. <laughs> I have something that I'd like to share with you that I've been holding on to very tightly for the past couple of days, really wanting to tell you. It's a hilarious pun directly up your alley. So mm, our friend Mary O'Malley and I had a very long conversation the other night and she was in her studio. She's a very accomplished, wonderful ceramicist. And she was making an urn for a friend of hers who just unfortunately lost their mother recently. And Mary has said that she had been trying to start an urn business when she came back from London. Mm-hmm. And her original idea was to name it You've Earned It, which <laughs> <laughs> I thought you would like. And then so she was like brainstorming with her family, like other names. And they ended up basically a death bucket. <laughs> Which no, I think it's you've so, earned it. Is so funny. Death bucket is great, <laughs> and then I added a couple of my own puns, of course. And I feel like my best one it was between Ernie Sanders, okay, <laughs> and my favorite, which was burnt in Ernie. <laughs> or it could be, you know, because it's supposed to be holding ashes, so you could be like, you burnt. You burnt is an amazing one. <laughs> Weekend up at Ernie's is also quite good. Um, um, also, a penny saved is a penny earned. That was I had that one. I had that one. That was a very good one. And then another favorite of mine was Ernest Scared Stupid. Oh, Ernest Goes to Camp is my favorite one. <laughs> Ernest Goes to Camp. <laughs> Ernest Scared Stupid, I'm sure we've <laughs> talked about this on the podcast at some point because it is my favorite movie of all time. Um, just kidding. Is it the Halloween one? It's the Halloween one with those like very slimy, slimy trolls and like a, I believe there's like a haunted tree. But like I was not brave enough as a child. I was very scared as a child of basically ghouls and being asleep and nighttime. And so like <laughs> Ernest Scared Stupid did not work for me. Although I loved it, it was like you know I was masochistic about watching it. Um, but yeah, it was really scary and very slimy. Yeah. I don't. I never saw that. But I just that made me remember that when I was a child. Um, I liked the Michael Jackson Thriller video, but it scared me so bad that every time it came on the radio, I would scream at the top of my lungs, and it came on the radio quite often. So my parents were just like, you are the worst child. You would just shriek and scream in the car, like, like out of horror or and delight? Cry. Like, scream and cry, because I was so scared, because of the song. Oh, just of the sound? Yes. Or of Michael Jackson, who is, as we now know, scary. Well, uh, I was like five or whatever year that came out is the year that I, is the age that I was. Um, so I didn't know that Michael Jackson was bad. Yeah. Oh, no pun intended. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. You've earned it. (laughs) (laughs) You burnt. (laughs) You burnt. That's like one of the funniest things ever. And honestly, I would be so much more inclined to buy... An urn from someone whose business was called Death Bucket, or like, you earned, you yeah. burnt, you 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 earned. I said it's, just, it's not a bucket though. Like, 
<laughs> but that's the lowest cuvee. You enter at like you've earned it and the bottom rung for folks who don't want to pay a lot of money for an urn get just a simple death bucket. With no lid? No, no, there's a lid, of course. Otherwise, the ashes will just blow directly into your face. Okay, Zara, then I ask you this question. If it has sure. a lid, is it then a bucket still? Ooh, I, I guess it's more of a death tub. <laughs> a plastic death tub. This reminds me of the story, which I'm not sure if any of our listeners know, but I think it's both sad and hilarious and very much my father. I tried to um, put my dad's ashes into the... Atlantic Ocean when, after he passed away upon his wishes. His original wishes was to have a, a random man who he worked with 20 years ago named Billy Jennings sprinkle his ashes, as oh, I found in his will right before I, I died. I definitely have mentioned this on the podcast before. That also, I probably said. You, I just wrote, you, uh, you weren't putting them in the ocean. You were, like, tossing them in there. You weren't just, like, placing the bucket of ashes into the sea. You were, like, tossing them out there, right? Right, right. So after I... Um, established with my father before he died that there's no way that this guy he used to work with and hasn't seen in 20 years was going to be the last one to sprinkle his ashes. Um, I took it by myself to bring his ashes to the, to the ocean at Robert Moses and, and put them in there, but it was a windy day. And so I was like, you know what, I'm just going to take this whole box that they gave me this like nice wooden box with the ashes inside it. My dad was a very big guy. So there was a fucking lot of ashes, um, and I was like, I'll just toss this whole thing in the ocean, like a, like a Vikings burial without the fire. And so I, I go and I fling the box into the ocean and the, the bag inside was plastic and it had my name on it and <laughs> my, my phone number. And, um, about like three days later, I get a call from the Suffolk County detective saying that somebody reported a box of ashes that was just on the beach. So I guess it washed back up to shore. And then they brought the box of ashes to my mom's house. My parents were divorced and I made it like the wet box just like sat in her living room for like six months until she finally told me to get it out of here. And now it's in my house and it's actually sitting directly by me. (laughs) Um, did it dry off? It's still wet. It's like out of a horror movie. You know how like everything in like modern day horror movies is wet? The box oh is still dripping God. wet. Oh my God. That is scary. Yeah. That's like the end of the ring. Spoiler alert. Mm. She comes out of the fucking well. Look out. I Seven never days. saw the ring. Oh, it's scary. I'm not into like wet children style horror movies. I like a good old fashioned like blood and gore, like a vampire movie, gremlins, you know, something really scary. Yeah, I'm into the ring. Although rewatching it recently, the fashions that Naomi Watts is wearing are terrible. Naomi Watts is in the ring. Oh yeah, really? Who knew? High wattage. Well, a lot of people knew. Oh, almost every. Do you mean by a lot of people like everyone except for me? Because I'm like the only person who's not seen Das Ring. <laughs> yeah, the great thing about the ring, the movie, is that there is a rare thing that you very rarely see in a movie is horse suicide. So. Oh, really? My favorite. I do yes. love a good horse suicide. What happened? Well, I don't want to spoil it, but I am going to. Uh, a horse is on a ferry and he jumps to his death in the sea because <laughs> he's freaked out by some ring shenanigans. <laughs> uh, yeah, you don't see enough horse suicide these days. It's really funny, or, you know, impactful, I should say, to see a horse, a giant animal, just throw itself into the sea, even though it's pretty CGI'd. Yeah, I mean, let's hope, right? Like, I'm sure they're not just, like, taking a bunch of takes with stunt horses, like, 
throwing them to the ocean. Or are they? Or are these people's pet horses who they no longer wanted to feed? Call back to last week's episode about animal murder. Yes, that's true. Or maybe the horse just felt so guilty. He's like, I'm taking up too much space in your house. I'm eating too many of your carrot tops. And then it was just like, I need to end it on this boat. I they were talking about horses when they were talking about their pets. Most people, I think, don't have horses just as pets. That's true. That is true. <laughs> Except for Mr. Ed's dad. Oh, yeah. That was the last episode of Mr. Ed when he just had to, like, bash its head with a hammer because it was... <laughs> <laughs> leftovers like, were coming into fashion. Even though you can speak, uh, we still gotta go, buddy. Also, I don't know. Maybe people do keep horses as pets. I am lower middle class, so I don't know anything about that shit. Totally, I hear you. I feel like a dog is the most popular, is the <laughs> most popular pet, and the most fun pet to burn in a fire. Okay, should we get into this week's topic? Speaking of all of this, oh yes, yeah. I forgot that we even had a topic. I know. You know, this week is unlike any other week because I actually enjoyed my research and did it thoroughly. So I'm very excited to talk about my story. I always enjoy my research. No, I do too. I just feel like a lot of times I do it and I'm like, I can make this work. But this week, I actually, when you brought up our topic, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this. And then I just, I really found a good story. <laughs> I really okay. got right into it. Okay, go ahead. Um... So I just want to preface this by saying that in these horrible times when the world around us is so disgusting and we really find out how sick our fellow man can possibly be, it's fun to have a nemesis that is, like, not purely evil or it doesn't seem evil or it seems sort of harmless. Sure. Um, of course, like my a nemesis... Old lady. My nemesis is a company, so it's not harmless. I'm sure it's actually probably evil in many ways. In fact, we'll get into a little bit of that later. But um, just kind of a, a meaningless, fun nemesis. It's fun to be really angry about, but doesn't actually refer to the darkness all around us. And that is my personal nemesis, Edible Arrangements. Hate Edible Arrangements. Okay, also just to say our topic today in general is edible gifts. Edible gifts. The only gift you should eat. Um, so I just want to start off by saying that I have always joked that you should send edible arrangements to your enemies, not your friends or loved ones, because they're disgusting and they're just full of out of season melon, which then taints the rest of all the other fruit with the melon flavor. And it's very strong. It's so expensive. And so who would ever just like, like, oh my God, someone's thinking of me. I just... Now I have a huge bouquet of cantaloupe of chunks of fruit <laughs> and all of the worst fruits. It's not even like, you know, a seasonal fruit and like delicious peaches and juicy, drippy watermelon and like yeah. raspberries. It's like fucking honeydew and like navel oranges. They don't even and girl. There's no oranges in there. I think I saw an orange, but go ahead. I'm no, gonna, I mean, you're that the might expert. Have been a specialty basket that they introduced after massive complaints. Um, there's <laughs> honeydew and cantaloupe, wa- pineapple, and grapes. <laughs> I, it's swag. It really is. It's so fucking basic, and I don't they even like to say that, but it chocolate is. Chocolate covered pineapple, which to me seems dead wrong. Wrong move. <laughs> It is wrong on a flavor note, and it's also wrong, and I think it's wrong in general to cover fruit and chocolate, because it just slips right off. It doesn't yeah. stay. 
It just cracks Chocolate and slips strawberries, off. You know, they're pretty chic, but... Um, I guess, the, if you're trying to get laid at age 23. <laughs> the combination of textures of regular pineapple with a hard chocolate shell? Like, Why? <laughs> Why? No, it's a serial killer move. Here's the thing. If somebody ever <laughs> sends you chocolate-covered pineapple or fucking honeydew in any form, immediately run from them and call the authorities. I Not mean, the police. Don't call the police. Call, like, public safety or something. Someone who doesn't have a gun. Call 311. Exactly. Call animal um, control. <laughs> also, I'm like, if you really want to go for it and you want to dip pineapple in chocolate, then why don't you fucking dip these grapes in chocolate, too? Go for it. Why be bold. Dip my dick in chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> chocolate covered grapes? That would actually surprise and intrigue me, you know? I'd be like, okay. Yeah, I guess. Until you realize that you're eating a chocolate covered grape and it's gross. <laughs> <laughs> it's whack as fuck. Uh, you could just be squishing uh, that grape right into your cocktail. Why do you need to dip it in chocolate? That's what I say. True. Anyway, I'm sorry. I digress. Anyway, so I just wanted to give my little comedy routine about edible arrangements and then tell you guys what it's whole freaking deal is so edible arrangements was founded by father son Tariq farid and cameron cameron freak farid um in east haven connecticut in the year 1999 this all is exactly what i assumed the year is perfect <laughs> the location <laughs> makes perfect sense all of it is lining up exactly as i thought okay go ahead Oh, also, I want to mention that I got most of this from Wikipedia and an article in the New York Times that was written by Tariq himself. Oh, hmm. <laughs> curious. There we go. Um, I just want to read you this quote from Wikipedia because it made me laugh with confusion. After designing the computer systems, training manuals, production and profitability tracking, and supply chain management, supply chain management, they began franchising in 2001. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, why Why do we need to know that they had the training manuals in place before they decided to franchise? Why? Very boring. Very boring, um, Cameron. By 2009, they had become worldwide. So you could go to Rome, Italy, or Hong Kong, <laughs> and now there's even more places, and you could send someone an edible arrangement. <laughs> so wow. if you're in Rome sampling all the delicious Italian food that they have there, you can send someone or just purchase for yourself to eat an edible arrangement. That's amazing. You're like, I could have this like bucatini amatriziana, but instead I'm going to take a pineapple that's shaped like a starfish. <laughs> yes. And um, the other thing that I think is funny is that I didn't realize treating yourself to an edible arrangement is <laughs> a really funny idea. It's, it's amazing. It's like you're just going through like a bad breakup or, or something. You're like, I just can't get out of this goddamn slump. You know what I need? An edible arrangement for one. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, it's like the start of a porno. Fruit. Yeah. <laughs> Did somebody order an edible arrangement? Um, <laughs> somebody I gets went... melon balls? Sorry. <laughs> yeah, settle down. Um, uh, uh, so I went to... I went to the internet and I found out that Tariq has a website. I didn't dig too deeply into it because it's intense, but I, I encourage everyone to check it out. I just want to read the very top heading of it, which is Leadership and Life Insights from a Visionary Entrepreneur. Wow. Um, like I said, in the New York Times, they let him write basically his life story for some reason himself 
Like, he wasn't interviewed by anyone. He just literally wrote his life story. Um, because it was a slow news day in, like, 2010 or whatever. Um, <laughs> so, basically, his story is that they started off... So, his, he's an immigrant from Pakistan. His parents immigrated here and with him. And um, his dad worked as a machinist during the day and worked at Burger King and other places during nighttime and, and enlisted him to start doing some like odd jobs when he was pretty young. Um, eventually his dad bought a flower shop and was like, will you run this flower shop for me? Illegally aged child to work. And he was like, yes. Um, so basically he's like 16 years old and he's running a flower shop seven days a week and also going to high school. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Sorry. Jesus Christ just walked in. That's crazy. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and then it's funny because everything about like how he actually succeeded is super vague. Um, but he's like, so we started off making about $50 a day and I decided to be open seven days a week and soon sales doubled and I was shot. (laughs) (laughs) Yada, yada, yada. People love flowers. Five years later, we had three shops and we're making a million dollars a year. (laughs) I was like, okay, that's very vague. That's extremely vague. Uh, and the numbers don't lie, though. I'm like, this isn't really helping me to start my own business. You know, like, you're supposed to be giving me tips. Um, yeah, just the tips. So then he was like, you know what? A million dollars a year is not enough for me. I need to be making $5,000 a day in order to be successful. And his <laughs> mom was like, you need to be chill. And he was like, no, mom, shut up. <laughs> um, he That's also a really re- lofty goal. Yeah. And he's still in high school. Wow, this guy is on one. All right. Um, eventually, I believe, yes, he's so he's finished high school. He decides not to go to college because he's doing so well in the flower shop biz. Um, then he came up with edible arrangements. This is all the detail that he tells us about how he came up with this idea. Um, edible arrangements goes back to our roots in Pakistan, where my dad would always bring us tons of fruit. <laughs> mm, okay. <laughs> It's a fruit-loving yeah. family. So, he works in a flower shop. His dad loves fruit. Okay. Um, it's all adding up. The pieces yeah. are in place. So, they decided to open the shop, and they got 30 orders on their very first day. Okay. But this was in 1999. It was a different time. Okay? People were... Honeydew, honeydew was much more popular in the late 90s, everybody. who doesn't. I bet that. what happened is, he people coming into the place were like, hey... What would you think if I, if you had this bouquet of flowers, but instead it was delicious fruit? And they'd be like, oh my God, that sounds great. They didn't know what kind of fruit it was, right? Right. They didn't know it was honeydew. And also, I want to say there might have been a lot of panic about Y2K. (laughs) 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 So everyone was just like, fuck it. We need to find a way to eat the bouquet. We're all about to die. Yeah. Because I don't know what month in 1999 this was happening. So that is very real. Um, (laughs) I also just had an epiphany that maybe the first, Baskets or whatever were actually with like really good seasonal fruit, and mm-hmm. then they discovered when they started franchising that they needed to have something a little bit hardier and grosser, like pineapple mm. and honey. Sure, sure, possible. Um, this is all conjecture based on really nothing, except for that they got thirty orders on their first day, which seems completely insane to me. Right, um, out of nowhere, like nobody knew about it, and they're like, everyone's just like, you know what? I'm gonna go ahead and just w- walk around my neighborhood and see if anyone's selling an edible bouquet. <laughs> like, how did they? 30, oh, anyway. Thirty people were like, "Give me one of those chocolate-covered delights." Um, <laughs> so, 
so yeah, the rest is history. They were very successful. They opened a million chain stores. Um, and it all came crashing down. Not really, but it's still perfectly fine. But they're... Um, a large section of their franchise owners in January brought a lawsuit against them. Um, basically, they started off just having like a letter of dissent, a letter of opposition. Um, and they're like, here's our problems. We'll give you an opportunity to talk to us about it. Let's figure this out together. And he didn't ever respond. So, mm. so then they lawyered up and they have a bunch of grievances and they all sound like pretty rude um they extended the hours that the franchises had to stay open regardless of foot traffic so like every franchise had to stay open a certain like two or three hours longer even on sundays even though some of them didn't have anybody coming in in those days they didn't do any research basically before requiring them to set their times um they also claim that there's like shady stuff going on and like the compensation of each franchise owner and how like there's like a whole thing going on where they're taking failing edible arrangements and <laughs> buying Sorry, them just... <laughs> buying them back at a uh-huh. lower market rate and then like basically making a profit off of that. Oh no, that's totally that seems totally above board. Do they buy back all the rotten fruit and find a way to repurpose that as well? Um, unclear. But the, the guy, the Tariq who runs it, his dad doesn't really seem to be involved that much anymore. But um. He also has, like, six other companies that he started. One is, like, a fruit juice company that operates out of the edible arrangements, so you can buy, like, a smoothie when you get your edible arrangement. And, um, I hate with, the like, world. Expired chocolate-covered pineapple smoothie. And then um, <laughs> <laughs> he also has a company that cre- like makes the vases that the edible arrangement uses and sells it to them. Wow. I mean, gotta say... For a capitalist venture, very smart, right? Mm-hmm. To like cover all your bases and create a monopoly around this ridiculous, pointless thing. I just want to know if anyone eats. Has anyone out there, listeners? Listen, I should say, listener, <laughs> the one listener that's listening to this show, Mike Sala. Have you ever gotten an edible arrangement and eaten part of it? <laughs> I have. I got one. You as have. A- yeah, as a thing, because it's it's something that you probably I feel like mostly get if you work in an office. It's like. Mm definitely like an office gift so one of our clients at my old job sent us an edible arrangement as like a thank you or whatever and you know it's a huge bouquet with all the fruits that we mentioned and like two strawberries so if you don't get there first (laughs) the strawberries are gone immediately i think i'm just bitter because no one will ever send me anything or an edible arrangement (laughs) or anything else Uh. (laughs) (laughs) it's fine Um, who cares so they also have brownies and cookies now, but I can't imagine why you would ever want to buy a brownie from this place that doesn't specialize in brownie. Like, it's not a bakery. Like, don't get a brownie yeah. from them. Um, I also just wanted to point out to be a little snobby bitch that melon season is only May through August. So mm-hmm. <laughs> that's right. buy your edible arrangements then. I'd like to see a, an edible arrangement where they don't cut the fruit and it's just lots of big melons whole on sticks. And that would that be fun. Be, okay, a whole really- melon on a stick? That's amusing. <laughs> it would be huge. It would be like six feet like in diameter and there would just be like 20 melons stuck on a stick with scary faces cut into them. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds great and scary. Oh, uh, I just want to finish off. Um, I found a surprisingly little internet complaining about 
honeydew and cantaloupe. So oh, I don't know what's going Lord. on there. But I do want to read a little bit from this wonderful article entitled Fruit Salad is Trash by <laughs> Carolyn Menyes. Love it. I also feel like I might have mentioned this before on the podcast. And if so, many apologies, but this is great stuff here. So, um, so she starts off by being like, Fruit's got a lot of uses, but you can ruin every piece of fruit that ever happened to exist and mix it all together in a fruit salad. That's right, I said it. Fruit salad is bad. And then she says, I know what you're thinking. I make my own fruit salad with strawberries, peaches, fresh mint, and some pine nuts. And it is not trash. Okay. (laughs) Excuse, pine nuts. Give me a break. (laughs) Fucking upper crust limousine liberal over here. Also, you need to put some lemon juice on that shit. Um, Sure. But... (laughs) I'm talking about the classic here. Honeydew, cantaloupe, blueberries, maybe some grapes, maybe a raspberry, and if you're lucky, maybe some strawberries. That's funny. (laughs) This is one of of the worst things that you can bring to a party. Have you ever actually seen someone excitedly eating fruit salad on their plate, (laughs) hunting for more extra pieces of melon? Absolutely not. (laughs) What people do to fruit salad is pick all the money fruit, and then you have a giant, sickening bowl of melon and maybe some flavorless blueberries. Mm-hmm. That's true. And blueberries are good, but they do get forgotten. Yeah. So but I just thought that that was funny. I mean, you know, fruit is salad funny. is trash. Inflammatory statement. I made a pretty good fruit salad over the summer, but you got to eat that I'm, shit right away. You do have to eat it right away. And I'm also going to say, in def- I'm a melon advocate, okay? I love melon. I love watermelon. I love cantaloupe it does smell like poo if we're gonna be mm-hmm. honest if it's really ripe in the in in summertime I remember I got a cantaloupe an adorable like one of those little sugar baby cantaloupes mm-hmm. like maybe last summer and I like walked into a clothing store with it and I was like it smells like I have a diaper on <laughs> but really it's just this <laughs> fucking adorable cantaloupe in my purse yeah I still like it a lot I love watermelon yeah, and it's I in even season. like honeydew. In-season cantaloupe is a delight, but no. The rest of the year, stuck in an an arrangement. Covered in chocolate? Fucking full of cottage cheese? No, that's something that I'll, like, literally never understand because I've never had cottage cheese. Like a half melon with a zigzag cut with cottage cheese inside? Sure. Very cute. Very vaginal. It's very sexual. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, it's sexual before the cottage cheese and after, but not in a good way. Did you grow up with people calling cantaloupe muskmelon never heard that ever before is that an indie thing no it's it's nationwide is it is it a sex thing musk melon it sounds sexual it's a cantaloupe yeah well uh i never heard that but cantaloupe i think can be really great wrap some prosciutto prosciutto the parma (laughs) around that shit (laughs) it's good Maybe when you're in Rome, that's what the edible arrangement is. Just a bunch of melon balls <laughs> wrapped in prosciutto. Let's hope. Um, that's an amazing story. We have a very good friend who actually lives in Connecticut now. And I called him today to see if he could share. He used to work for edible arrangements. And he's also probably one of the funniest people ever to live. George Burden, what up? And I was sure that he was going to have a story about edible arrangements to, to share with us. But he didn't. But I think he's been... I think he's been silenced. I think he they've probably paid had to sign an NDA or something. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's just really funny. I don't know. I guess I just always think about edible arrangements being sent to people when someone dies. Like, I didn't know that they were sent at other times. Yeah. I would never... Sending it when someone's dies. Oh, but that reminds me. Sorry. At the beginning of the podcast, before we started recording, Zara asked me what the world's biggest edible arrangement was, and I didn't know the answer, so I looked it up, and... This is not the world's biggest, I'm sure, but there is one on their website that's called the Magnificently Radiant Double Decadence, and it's $500. And Edible Arrangement says, there's nothing more impressive or delicious than our Magnificently Radiant Double Decadence. (laughs) It includes awe-inspiring varieties of all your fruit favorites, chocolate-dipped pineapple, strawberries, and bananas. Oh, there's bananas on here. Wow. Now, that is a gift. A basket full of chocolate-dipped bananas, and that only? That really sends a message. Well, they're sliced up. There's not, like, whole bananas. Oh. Mm. Yeah. I'm not interested in it. I don't, like... I'm going to tell you something right now. Not just you, but also our one other listener. I don't like chocolate and fruit combined together, and that's rare for me to say because I don't have that many things I don't like. And I would eat a chocolate-covered strawberry if somebody was holding a knife to my throat, Um, but... I'd prefer not to. It's not my favorite combination of flavors. Do you like chocolate cover? Do you like chocolate and fruit together? I mean, no, not really. I'm not really into that or those chocolate orange things. No, chocolate and orange together is a is a red flag for me. That's a yeah. deal breaker. I don't. I can't get with that. Chocolate banana is fine. Chocolate strawberry, sure. I don't know. Past that, you've really lost me. Chocolate lemon, absolutely not. Chocolate That's a crime raspberry. against food. Yeah, I mean, maybe. I mean, it's not like I'd spit it out, but it wouldn't be my first choice. That's for chocolate, sure. Ra- chocolate and raspberry coulis, that's like the 90s right there. Oh, that's, that is extremely, extremely Diane Keaton. For some reason, that's the first thing that popped into my head. That's her, probably her favorite. Although it probably would be white chocolate, though, right? <laughs> yes. I, white chocolate no. and raspberry coulis. <laughs> oh, my God. Pesto is the quiche of the 80s. Little okay. dots on your plate. Well, this is amazing. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm like actually looking at their website right now, and there is one where they have doves that seem to be fashioned out of coconut. Oh, tropical. <laughs> it's, called, it's called the Peace and Doves Bouquet. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Imagine carving a dove out of coconut. Oh, this one is a chocolate-dipped apple wedge, which has just veered off into complete insano vibes. A chocolate-covered apple is is should be against why not the just do caramel like hello exactly this is really should be punishable by death okay should we take a little break a rooski oh no a chocolate covered mustache uh-oh Mm-mm. let's get out of here bye-bye <laughs> okay bye we're taking a break we're coming back This episode is brought to you by Hearst Ranch. The Hearst family has raised cattle on California's central coast since 1865. Today, Hearst Ranch's signature product is their 100% grass-fed, completely hormone and antibiotic-free beef. The Hearst Ranches have always treated their animals with great care. Their cattle live a completely natural existence as foragers and grazers. Well-managed grazing fertilizes the land naturally sustains a seasonal rhythm to the ranches, and produces a remarkable meat whose flavor is the authentic taste of the American West. Hearst Ranch beef is available seasonally, May through August, in select whole food markets throughout California, and all year round at their retail locations in San Simeon and Paso Robles. 
And now, HRN listeners in Arizona, Nevada, and California can get Hearst Ranch beef delivered right to their door through Larder Meat Company. Go to lardermeatco.com and shop the 100% grass-fed box to stock your freezer with Hearst Ranch beef. That's L-A-R-D-E-R, meatco.com. Learn more about the storied history, farming practices, and conservation efforts of Hearst Ranch at hearstranch.com. And we are back. Nicole, hello. Hello. How'd you enjoy your break? What what did you do? I counted to ten. Okay, good. Me too. (laughs) Um, Okay. Normally I start with a joke. Couldn't really find one that was a propes or that made me <laughs> chuckle for talking about underwear. Um, I'll just say that the best underwear jokes are brief. Am I right? Wow. <laughs> I did not make that up. I found it <laughs> on like a 16-year-old's website. Um, folks, I'm about to tell you this history of America's favorite food, edible underwear. <laughs> <laughs> right uh, up there with Fourth of July cake. okay so i basically got all of my information today from an amazingly informative article and i mean that totally with wholeheartedness called a tasty history of edible underwear by jake rosen for mental floss (laughs) are you ready oh man it's so nice when someone has already done all the research for you (laughs) I'm basically going to just read you this article, but it was so comprehensive and so well-written. And this story has some twists and motherfucking turns. So just hold on to your seat. Yeah, okay. <clears throat> Good. I'm holding on to mine as well. Um, it sounds like you're pouring a frosty beverage in your cup. Is that true? Oh, yeah. I'm making myself a little sparkling wine. I finished my other drink. Oh, good for you. Um, okay. I actually just finished my glass of water and so my mouth is very dry and it might be very hard for me to get through <laughs> this portion of the show, but whatever. Okay. So edible underwear was conceived in like the early 1970s in Chicago. There was these two guys, they were, uh, boyfriends. Their names were David Sanderson and Lee Brady. And one night when they were sitting around sharing some apple flavored wine, and quote other substances with friends they decided exactly and putting cocaine up their butts they what is apple flavored wine that's that's cider i don't know i'm thinking of it as like whatever that wine is that you find in Dwayne reed that's green Hmm. that's kind of like a wine cooler like a wine wine drink oh okay all right it could be apple brandy. It could have been something more classy. It just says apple flavored wine. It was the seventies. I'm picturing, I don't know, uh, that there was acid in it, most likely. Sure. Um, Sanderson and Brady were a couple. They were in the early twenties, and they came up with this amazing idea. They were with a bunch of friends, and they they had like had some other entrepreneur uh, entrepreneurial kind of leanings. They were into importing Tibetan artwork and even organizing a theater troupe called the Puck Players that would perform in Chicago area elementary schools. <laughs> and they were apparently very, like, sincere performances, but they were, like, met with revolt because the kids at the elementary schools would just, like, taunt them and call them the Fuck Players. <laughs> Rude. Which is very insensitive. Not nice kids of the 70s. How do you get into importing Tibetan artwork? That just seems like... So- crazy to me i don't know but it kind of reminds me of where my parents were at in the 70s because they collected a lot of like weird like 
world antiques and had kind okay. of a business. And I think, like, in the 70s, people were just realizing that, like, there were, in America, there was, like, a world outside. And they're like, world art? World food? Quiche? Oh, my God. Um, so this sounds very on par with, like, thinking about my parents. But so then they decided to invent it and quote... This is what they say. Puff Magic Dragon put the idea in our mind, Sanderson recalls. I remember my older brother used to say, eat my shorts, like buzz off. And we said, hey, let's make shorts you can actually eat. And everyone thought we were totally bonkers. Okay, that's not how it happened. Also, I didn't know that Bart Simpson was not the first person to say, eat my shorts. (laughs) I know. So anyway, they decided to call their creation candy pants <laughs> <laughs> okay and it began with with the two of them inviting friends over to their place and they would use garbage bags to take the measurements for the underwear sizes um so then they like got the sizes done and on, like for both men and women and they're like well how how are we gonna make this edible so they decided to visit a baking factory on like a scouting trip and they saw that like the company had a bag of like yeast that could be thrown into a vat and like with the whole bag the bag was biodegradable and edible so they're like oh maybe we could use this yeast bag (laughs) to make these (laughs) underwear now I just want to mention that the thought of putting yeast on your vagina is suspect (laughs) there's a lot already that I'm like it makes so much sense now that they were gay because I've always been like edible underwear is it's literally the highway to the danger zone. You don't want to put any sugar near your vagina. And you Absolutely definitely don't want to not. put yeast in there. But You don't want to put sugary yeast fruit roll-ups in your vagina. Mm-hmm. So the very first candy pants prototype was fashioned out of an edible film that had originally been designed to wrap frozen turkeys. And, what? What? It, was, <laughs> and it was licorice flavored. <laughs> Ooh, that's kind of cool. I mean, I, I I get props to these people for innovation. Um, but I just okay. So, this film is supposed to like you would just put your turkey in the oven with this film on it. Exactly. Well, you know how like after like you know post World War Two, people were just interested in like things that were easy, right? Like TV dinners and yeah. packaged processed food. Are so you I guess they must have- tired of taking the wrapper <laughs> off of your turkey that you have once a year. Uh, are you sick and tired of the three seconds it takes to unwrap your turkey? Don't worry. You can put this horrible poisonous chemical film on it and just roast the whole thing at once. It's gravy flavored. <laughs> That's not a bad idea. Maybe. <laughs> How about gravy flavored underwear? Mm-hmm. Now we're in the money, Nicole. We've thought of it. That is trademark, people. Do not try to steal gravy. <laughs> gravy, dr- gravy trunks. Gravy pants. <laughs> Gravy pants. <laughs> That's the name of our follow-up band to Withered Vegetable Ends. Um, okay, so they named the company um, Cosmorotics Inc. And they had one problem immediately is that they had applied for a patent at the trademark office and their design was rejected because the words candy and pants were mutually exclusive. <laughs> what? They're like, you can't possibly have candy and pants. Okay. They were not opening their minds in the 70s. The patent office needs to be cool. And also, I'm pretty sure that there's so many products out there that have two mutually exclusive things as the title. Yeah. Like Ocean Spray. I don't know. That was just the first thing that came to my mind. Dirt Devil. <laughs> <laughs> Butterball. Yeah. You can't be a dirt and the devil. <laughs> Shake and bake. Okay. 
Um, so the office, um, I had no idea how they could think of like, they're like edible clothing. What the hell is this? But they eventually like, they like got through that or whatever. But then they're like, how do we know? How do we let people know that candy pants is a thing? So they had a friend who ran a bath and boutique shop that agreed to put, um, a pair in their, in their store on display. And the store was near your favorite university but not mine, the University of Indiana. Oh. But the yeah. University of Indiana is in Indiana. It's exactly. But oh, they're so in Chicago. So their buddy had a shop in Indiana. Okay, got it. Exactly. So several students picked up pairs on a whim, and one of the students was a reporter for the high school newspaper and decided to write <laughs> a story about it, and the story <laughs> got picked up from, by the AP. It's like, this just in from the story, from the wires, the Associated Press. Underwear that you can eat. <laughs> Bye, bye, bye. Sell, sell, sell. Um, So overnight, the word spread about candy pants, and Sanderson and Brady said they started out. So they kept the name, even though it wasn't patentable? They they ended up, like, getting it passed. They must have given a lot of free pairs. You guys, here's some free underwear. Eat it. (laughs) Eat my shorts. (laughs) (laughs) At this point, they were just wearing actual shorts made of gravy. Um... They said that it started out as a conceptual art project, and then it kind of just really took off, took off. And they were like making one hundred and fifty thousand dollars a month after this. Are you kidding me? No, I'm dead. I'm serious as a pair of candy pants. <laughs> how? Okay, fine. They're making one hundred fifty thousand dollars a month, but how much did it cost for them to actually create the underpants? And also. Where do you get licorice flavored turkey film from? You know, like so. Well, they ran into a lot of problems, but the underwear were originally selling for four ninety five. In but the seventies, that's like four million dollars today. Exactly, it's like forty dollars in in today's money. Um, they did run into a bunch of problems. Wait, is that true? About, no, I think four ninety five okay. in the seventies is probably like twenty five dollars today. That's but that's still a-, a lot of money for a fucking like gnarly. Thing of One like licorice turkey paper that you can't even actually wear <laughs> under your pants. <laughs> that gives you a yeast infection. Seriously. Um, the first two flavors they had were wild cherry and banana split. Nope. Now they did have a third option, which <laughs> was <laughs> they had a third option, which was hot chocolate, but it quote had a foul taste and was said to be brown in color, an unfortunate choice for simulation of underwear, and it was quickly discontinued. <laughs> Okay, this sentence has so many things. First of all, it was said to be brown in color. Like, like, like nobody that was like sure. a rumor about it. I hear the chocolate kind is colored brown. And also, this simulation of underpants is the greatest phrase. <laughs> I'm in a simulation of underwear. So they made so one, That's the thing, though. It's really hard to make a chocolate flavor pair of like, underwear <laughs> chocolate flavored jelly bellies disgusting you know not as bad as brown chocolate underwear apparently <laughs> um so the, <laughs> the underwear sorry i'm having a problem getting through this this is very silly the mm-hmm. underwear cost 4.95 and was packaged in cellophane and <laughs> uh written uh, it was oh caution people are cautioned to unwrap only when it's ready for use quote candy pants may draw <laughs> dry out <laughs> <laughs> the warning red. <laughs> They're like, don't wash these. <laughs> uh, uh, hand wash. Dry on cool. Line, dry, line dry. Only. 
Milo. <laughs> I'm sorry. I brought these in and they were chocolate and now they seem to be turkey flavored. <laughs> My ribs hurt. Okay. Whew. Sanderson and Brady discovered that people in adult bookstores in the 1970s was a business that was often connected with the mob, and they were very upset that candy pants were not being stocked on their shelves. So now they're not only having an issue with the chocolate poop-colored <laughs> dry-clean only underpants, but now the mob is on their ass. They're $25 underpants you can only wear once that you have to dry-clean. That are brown. And they and have taste to go like turkey. into witness protection. <laughs> Oh my god. So the mob intended to produce knockoff kinds that they could um com- compete with candy pants and that they could sell at sex shops. They're like, "We're we're getting into Hey, Tony, we're getting into this freaking candy pants game." So this is when things take a sharp left turn into the This is so interesting though. The mob is smart, like business savvy. Exactly. They've got their hands in everything. Turkey flavored underpants and all. Hmm. So struggling to keep up with orders in the face of competition they turn to an unlikely ally you're you will literally never guess whom wolf blitzer <laughs> basically <laughs> um iva togori daquino also known as tokyo rose dr ruth <laughs> no tokyo rose a woman who had once been convicted of treason for broadcasting japanese propaganda during world war ii she was, pardoned. she was pardoned by Gerald Ford after serving three years of a 10-year sentence. Cool. She then opened a mercantile exchange in Chicago. This story just keeps getting more wild. Like, to be a fly on the head of these people. Yeah. Okay, so this lady sounds really cool. She opened a mercantile store in Chicago after being pardoned for she- just simply broadcasting a little propaganda. Yeah, she was a Japanese propagandist during World War II, and then she enters the edible underwear business with these two people. So she told them to connect with a factory in Japan that made rice paper wrappers for candy and medication. The rice paper was edible. And and it was also... Exactly. And it was not under the thumb of the mafia. Right. Yet. (laughs) So, with a new source... Cosmerotics was able to continue turning out candy pants for hungry consumers around the country. Um, so they enjoyed, they had like some fame and fortune. They bought a mansion in Chicago. They installed a disco that, and they held parties. They befriended none other than America and Europe's sweetheart, <laughs> RIP David Bowie, who knew the photographer that had shot the ads for candy pants. So here they all are. Picture it. It's the 70s, late 70s, early 80s. Everyone's fucked up on coke in a mansion in Chicago wearing edible underwear. In walks David Bowie. God bless him. This sounds like I wish I was born back then. I mean, I was born back then, but I wasn't like cognizant enough to get to know someone who could get me to that edible underwear party. Exactly. Well, it would have been very strange if you had gotten there. Although you were so close being in Indiana. Yeah, it's only three hours away. Mm, True, true. So they expanded the line eventually, and they added a mint flavor and a passion fruit flavor. Mint seems like a no-go for me. No, none of these flavors appealed to me, as well as an edible bra that was called teacups. That's only for small boob girls. Exactly. I'm just trying to picture myself with my, like, double d's fitting into an edible bra i mean 
and just wouldn't Here's happen. what I'm thinking about right now is boob sweat in an edible bra. <laughs> just, like, literally melts off you. Disgusting. Uh, yeah. Um, okay, so then they also started a line that they called Notables, which was a stationary, uh, edible station. <laughs> Edible stationery for today's executive. (laughs) Like when you have to eat it because otherwise they're going to find out and prosecute you for insider trading. (laughs) Because it was the 80s, you know? (laughs) All these dudes on Wall Street are like, all right, here we go. (laughs) You have to write in lemon juice and then hold it up to a candle and then eat it. (laughs) It's all very like Wolf of Wall Street. Buy, sell, sell, sell. Money never sleeps. (laughs) Eat, eat, eat. Eat eat the evidence. Um, Okay, so actually I think that did happen in Wolf of Wall Street. That's what I'm thinking of. Have you ever seen that movie? Yes. It's really good. I think there is a scene at the end where, like, the feds are coming in and Jonah Hill starts, like, eating some of the the paperwork. Does he? He starts shoving his mouth. That movie is really amazing. I think it's it's too long and there's only a couple of great moments in it but um there are the great moments in it though are so great like the moment when they're both on those like very old quaaludes that kick in and they start like having jonah hill and leo start having that part is a fight. That's one of the funniest moments in a movie that i've ever seen in my life but that movie yeah. doesn't like deserve it like <laughs> the rest of the movie is just like mm. But, but that came on TV the other day, and my dad had never seen it before, and that was the scene that was on TV, and there's, <laughs> it's so funny, like, fighting over the telephone. So good. Oh, my God. It's really, really good. Um, uh, but I okay. watched the prequel to that movie, which Ooh, what is... what is it? I think it's just called Wall Street, the one with uh, oh, Wall Street Sheen. with Charlie Sheen? I don't... That's not... They're not connected. No, I know. I was, That was a joke. Oh, okay. Got, got it. I was like, Nicole. <laughs> Come on. Newbie. That's yes. actually the prequel to Wall Street 2, Money Never Sleeps. <laughs> right, that's the thing. <laughs> Wall Street is like, yeah, that's, the, if you ever, that's like a red flag. If you like ever go to somebody's house, you're hitting it off, everything's going really well, and you like go to their house, and they have like a Wall Street poster in their room, or Scarface also is problematic. Good movie, both good movies, but you shouldn't have a, you shouldn't have any movie posters in your house. And I say that as a cinephile. <laughs> <laughs> I call I'm myself. A a, I'm not embarrassed to call myself a cinephile, but I make fun of people that have movie posters on the wall. And I say that as a pedophile. Um, okay, so just kidding. I am not a pedophile. Scratch that from the record. All right, listen. Let me get through the sentence. So they also released Notables, a stationary package consisting of edible notepad paper and a pen <laughs> that was caramel flavored. The, the envelope. Is, wait, the pen is edible too? Yeah. Oh my god, these people. <laughs> Our Jesus, I love him so much. <laughs> oh, holy shit. I'm just wondering when they're going to make, like, edible tampons. Am I right? I'm just wondering, like, what it's like to hold in your hand a sticky caramel pen. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't have to wonder much longer because the- Merry Christmas. <laughs> you, got, you got a bunch of notables coming your way, my friend. Um, eventually, the knockoffs became to overshadow the brand Candy Pants. And in the 80s, the two offer, uh, accepted an offer for someone to purchase the company. Now, I couldn't find how much money it was sold for. But apparently, they were paid by a man who gave them a briefcase full of cash. That's weird. <laughs> Somebody needs to make a movie about this. This is a great 80s. story. This is a good movie. This should, They should have been like the wolf of edible underwear. <laughs> Or a wolf in edible underwear. 
Oh, okay. There you go. A wolf in sheep's edible underwear. (laughs) (laughs) Dancing with wolves in edible underwear. Okay. (laughs) Let's get serious here. Um, So they eventually got married. The two, they've been together since the 70s. They got married in 2015. I guess that's when gay marriage I can't believe their relationship lasted through owning a business. That's strong. Not only that, but through owning a business in which they partied with David Bowie and ate the underwear off of him. <laughs> I mean, like, that's that's a lot. And they made pens that you could eat. And God knows what el- other edible things. They're like the Willy yeah, Wonka. Like butt plugs, probably. Sure. An edible butt plug makes a lot of sense, really. You really? think about it. Does it? Who knows? Who's to say? So they're not affiliated with candy pants anymore. You can still buy them. Um, and in 1976, a taste test declared that candy pants tasted like a rain slicker. And wearing them was neither was not practical either. Wait, they said that candy pants taste like a rain slicker. Yes, apparently. <laughs> also, it's so cute in the seventies that the economy was collapsing, but they call raincoats a rain slicker. That's cute. It, it's very cute. Um, so now is the time in the show. Even though I know we're going way over, but this is just too good. Sorry, Amanda. We I told you I forewarned you this was going to be long. I want to read you some internet reviews Great. of edible underwear. Wait, okay. sorry. Do you? So the ones that I am familiar with are the ones at Spencer's Gifts that are made out of Fruola material. Is that just like the mob version? Well, I'm gonna. That is the mafia version, exactly. Um, I'm gonna huh. tell you about a a few kinds right now. Um, okay, first great. I'm going to read you some reviews of the regular kind. This review comes from someone simply listed on, as M on Amazon. And it says, mother tested, but not kid approved. Pros, the underpants fit well. And some were more comfortable. And they were more comfortable than other edible underpants I've purchased. Cons, hmm. after running out of fruit by the foot, I was in a pinch to provide a snack for my kids' lunches. I hadn't yet had an opportunity to taste test this product but I assumed they would be appropriate for my kids. They found the taste to be utterly unpleasant and expressed frustration at their inability to trade desserts with their friends. Their teacher, upon seeing the snack, completely overreacted and alerted the principal. After an uncomfortable parent conference, I was informed that these snacks would not serve as an appropriate dessert for my children's lunches. Due to the inflexibility of this product's use, I am forced to give the product a poor review. That is not true. Then none of that review is true. There, it's a joke review. I think it could be a joke review, but in the case that it's not, I decided to read it anyway. <laughs> this one's definitely real. This is from Curl. Awful. Reviewed in the United States, June 12th, 2013. Stained my skin, red. Did not resemble undergarments at all. Tasted like <laughs> plastic. Thanks for nothing. Can't be worn. It will be torn apart as soon as you try to wear it. And it's full of artificial dyes. This is a very bad deal. It says on the box that it can give you cancer. I don't know why they're even selling this. <laughs> oh my god. Well, why did you buy it then, lady? Or man? Or person? Sorry. There curl. Is. Curl. What were you thinking? No. Honestly. <laughs> what were you thinking? Oh, it's okay. curl? I thought it was pearl. No, no. Curl. curl. So ambiguous. But so Mike two three T Mike two two three says, Are these one size fits all? That's none of your business. <laughs> now I'm going to go to an article in GQ magazine. Edible crotch, they reviewed all different kinds. I just have a couple of them that this, this reviewer wrote about. I thought it was very funny. Edible crotchless panties, watermelon. So these are like a gummy, basically. Okay, is, okay. Well, hold on. It's crotchless and edible? I don't It's understand. crotchless and edible. There's a big part where you can, like, where the vagina is. 
I guess, or if you wear them backwards, the butt where you can you can get through. There's no gummy uh, there. I don't know what the point is. I thought you would want to eat through the part, but whatever. I, who am I to judge? Who am I to cast judgment on someone? I'm not going to kink shame here. First impression. What the fuck am I looking at? <laughs> These crotchless gummy panties do not come assembled, nor are the instructions. You have I to hope assemble you have, them? Yes. <laughs> I hope you have a master's degree in engineering so you can figure this thing out. <laughs> I hope you have a master's degree in engineering, GQ writer. Exactly. Fucking God. Okay. On the body, I lack the basic DIY chops to fashion these panties together in an attractive way as the underwear is coated with roughly 8 trillion sugar granules. Ew, no. it's like a Sour Patch Kid, but it's underwear? Yes. Also, I hate that this writer calls them panties, just for the record. No more than 90 seconds after walking around in my apartment in my new outfit did things go terribly wrong. The glue holding the lace strings... And candy malfunctioned, and my crotchless panties turned into a papaya-colored loincloth dripping sugar all over the floor. (laughs) (laughs) That is very funny. Also, I like that they called it their outfit. (laughs) I know. On the tongue, as soon as I opened the package, I was hit with a sickly sweet chemical-ass watermelon spell. No surprise, the gummy panties did not taste great, although the flavor was better than the smell would suggest. I guess this is Marilyn Manson, someone who's had their ribs removed so they can eat their own edible underwear off their body. Verdict. Script. Skip, unless you don't mind getting sugar all over your sheets. <laughs> oh, I guess I don't mind. Some people don't mind that. So I had one more that I was going to read, but I'm gonna, we're running out of time, so I'm going to skip it. But it's a candy necklace thong. It's a whole thong made out of basically a big candy necklace. That makes more sense. That's more durable, less sweat reactive. Totally. Still dry clean only. But, um, okay. This is the last thing I'm going to tell you about, and this is going to give you night terrors, but get ready for it. It's called Beef Jerky Underwear, a.k.a. Brief Jerky. Brief Jerky Underwear, like the meat curtains thing about... Exactly. The people call lady genitalia. Lady lady gents. Um, so... Or just like genitalia, since we don't want to use... That's true. Just genitalia sometimes referred to as beef curtains, which is not very kind. So beef jerky underwear, AKA brief jerky. I found a pair on the internet that someone's made for you for $235. But the main thing with brief jerky is that they give you the instructions how to make it yourself at home. It only takes like three or four days. You have to have a pattern for underwear, a fucking sewing machine and beef. Um, (laughs) Not just beef, cured beef, man. It can't be just like regular raw beef. This person made it with ground beef and a dehydrator but they're like you could use sliced steak but you have to slice the steak so thin you need like a slicer so if you want to buy like a globe slicer you could make these probably i think ground beef sounds heinous (laughs) i just i guess i don't really know much about what ground beef does in the dehydrator in terms of texture but oh oh, i'm gonna go ahead and say the advertisement for this says dried meat makes these edible paleo panaceas a tasty treat this Valentine's Day, give your significant other a truly unique gift. The beef jerky underwear is proof that dreams really do come true. These tasty and protein-packed panties take <laughs> edible underwear to the next level, not only by looking and feeling great, but also by providing your lucky partner with their recommended daily carb intake, which yeah, is they're obvious. Yeah, they keto, man. Their recommended daily carb intake, I think this person means protein, and so they're, therefore I cannot, they cannot be trusted. No, they mean, like, their carb, like, low carb, it's a low carb underwear. Oh, gotta, 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 underwear gotta, 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 I understand now. Did you write this? Do you work for big, big brief? <laughs> Do you work for big brief jerky? <laughs> yeah, but I wanted them to be called meat briefs. 
oh yeah or yeah i i need a little more time with this pun. or like briefly meet yeah or like beef week <laughs> no nope <laughs> come up with your time come up with your titles for next week's show amanda's okay, telling great. us to wrap up with two exclamation points so she really needs it sorry buddy okay great um so very quickly top we don't have top three favorite edible gifts do we can we say things we don't want to have as a gift that's i don't edible? want anyone to send me an edible arrangement and if you already sent me one for christmas that's fine i'll eat it but otherwise don't do it <laughs> Um, I think that I'd prefer not being sent a six foot hero because I'm just one person and my refrigerator's broken, so I'll never get through it. How about that? Great. Or macadamia nuts. Send me some petty fours. I feel like they've gone out of style and I really want them. Ooh, you know what I'd like as an edible gift is those tins, those like mega tins that are full of like, they're like three feet high and they're full of three different flavors of popcorn, like a cheese, a caramel and a butter. There's one in my house right now. Oh, my God. I got to get over to you. I'm coming to Indiana right now. Okay. Amanda, you're a real darling. Amanda's our producer, if you guys don't know, and she just let us go really long talking about turkey-flavored underwear. <laughs> <laughs> and also beef-flavored underwear. Well, so, she did. She always keeps telling us we should do a gummy episode, which we will, but now we sort of did a little bit, Amanda. Ooh, gummy underwear? Like gummy frog underwear? My worst nightmare. Realized? All right, we gotta go. We gotta go. Okay. All right, we gotta go. Guys, we love you. Thank you for sticking with us, um, even though the show is so painfully dumb. <laughs> Nicole, I love you. Great topic. We'll see you next week. Our topic next week is God. Okay, that's it for us. Bye. Oh, hasta la pasta. Life's Banquet is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Or connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click at the heart at the top right of our homepage. And thanks for listening.